All right, here it goes. I'm old. What that means is that I've survived so far, and a lot of people I've known and loved did not. I've lost friends, best friends, acquaintances, coworkers, grandparents, mom, relatives, teachers, mentors, students, neighbors, and a host of other folks. I have no children, and I can't imagine the pain it must be to lose a child, but here's my two cents. I wish I could say you get used to people dying. I never did. I don't want to. It tears a hole through me whenever somebody I love dies, no matter the circumstances. But I don't want it to not matter. I don't want it to be something that just passes. My scars are a testament to the love and the relationship that I had for and with that person. And if the scar is deep, so was the love. So be it. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are a testament that I can love deeply and live deeply and be cut or even gouged and that I can heal and continue to live and continue to love. And that scar tissue is stronger than the original flesh ever was. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are only ugly to people who can't see. As for grief, you'll come, as for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the, magnifi the, and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. And all you can do is float. You find some piece of wreckage and you hang on to it for a while. Maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. For a while, all you can do is float, stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are 100 feet tall and crash over you without mercy. They come 10 seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still 100 feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe, you can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything. And the waves comes crashing, but in between waves, there is life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you find that the waves are only 80 feet tall, or maybe 50 feet tall. And while they'll still come, they come further apart. You can see them coming, an anniversary, a birthday, or Christmas, or landing at O'Hare. You can see it coming for the most part and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will, again, come out of the other side. Soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of wreckage, but you'll come out. Take it from an old guy, the waves never stop coming, and somehow you don't really want them to. But you learn that you'll survive them, and other waves will come, and you'll survive them too. If you're lucky, you'll have lots of scars and lots of loves, and lots of shipwrecks. So that was a poem we found online about grieving. It's called Grieving Friend, and it doesn't really say who, who takes the credit. It doesn't give us a full name. It just says G. Snow, and, and we get it off of Reddit. Very, very good and powerful. Kind of explains what grieving is about. Um, this is episode 3 slash 2 on death and dying, but we wanted to talk about specifically grieving. We kind of ended off our last podcast talking about the stages of grief, talking about how everyone deals with it a little differently, ourselves included. And so we wanted to continue that a little bit further 
for this next um, podcast and so that we can <clears throat> complete this subject to our satisfaction. Yeah, so, you know, you die and then what happens after you die? Well, you, you have to grieve. Uh, you have to grieve because if you don't grieve, what ends up happening is later on in life, it'll come out somehow. These are processes in life that you kind of have to go through so that you can continue living your life. Right. The five stages of grief, they're the main stages, and we've heard them before. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. And Aaron has talked about the fact that uh, sometimes people don't do them in order. Sometimes they never get out of the stage. But... There, it's always a form of each stage completed <clears throat> just by the fact that you've gone through them and you continue to live throughout your grief. And why we grieve is because, and why these stages are important to know is because, like Aaron said, they will it'll creep up on you and they're crippling. And for someone who hasn't experienced it before, uh, it's can be life changing, or it can affect you uh, just ever so slightly, depending on the significance of the loss. Yeah, it's hard to say if you were really close to someone, like a really close friend or your mother or father, grandfather, whatever the case may be. If you lose somebody who's really close to you, your suffering might be very deep and very long. But if it's somebody you don't really care about, if it's like some celebrity you barely even knew, you know, you, you, it might just not even matter. Uh, so it really depends on your relationships to these people that you lose. In the hospital specifically, you do get attached to some of these patients. And based on the level of attachment, that's going to affect how you grieve for these patients. I think we need to explain also what is grief. Okay. Grief always comes after a loss. It could be death. And as we explained in our previous podcast, that um, grief, that loss is basically anything. It's not just death. It could be loss of a friendship. It could be loss of uh, a spouse, divorcing, loss of a job, loss of uh, lifestyle. But grief always comes after a loss. It's a normal human response. It's very complex. It's, there's no specific formula to it. So it's not like, this is what's going to happen. You will experience this, 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 and this. And then this is what you need to do. This, 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 and this. A lot of times it's highly emotional. So you kind of just have to ride through it and go through it as best as you can. What we're here to sh- kind of talk about is just um, that grieving is acceptable. It's a sign of strength to grieve. Everyone should grieve. Yeah. Everyone will grieve at one point because we all will lose something. It's healthy to grieve. It's something we should all do. You know, if you hold on and bottle these things up and you don't grieve when you lose certain things, it'll eventually come out. You know, you'll you'll probably be jogging, exercising down the street, and all of a sudden you'll be you'll wail you'll start wailing, crying for no apparent reason. You need to basically let these emotions out in you know, in a, he- in a healthy manner, in a way that is acceptable for you, um, in a way that's not going to 
damage you, you know, because with all the stages, for example, uh, depression, anger, etc. Uh, let's just take ang anger, for example. You can lash out in anger, but there's a way that is an unhealthy way of lashing out in anger. So back to the point that I was trying to make is that there are ways to grieve that are healthy. I'm kind of... Well, I would point out that grief is um, temporary, but everybody will experience it at a different length of time. And you could experience severe grief and sorrow for a short period of time, but have a lingering sadness for a longer period of time. You could stay in that stage of, de of a denial for a longer period of time, just complete shock, and the gravity of the situation has not completely set in, which can then prolong the grieving process. I know that in my experience, I lost my brother. That was profound to me. And I was sad for a month of just pure sadness, roughly. But my sadness still continues 10 years later. And there are times that you wonder if you're ever going to get over it. But you feel grateful that your emotions are still there because that means that they are important to you. So it's important to know that no one way, right or wrong way of grieving a loss is accepted. Correct. So grieving, there is no formula. And how long does grieving last? It depends on everybody. It's a, it'll be quick. Sometimes it'll never go away. It really just depends on your personality, who the relationship you had with the individual. Um, many different factors affect it. So we've explained what grieving is, kind of explained a set you know what you know that there is no set formula for it um, we want to talk about in our experiences what what we did to grieve in certain uh, circumstances or situations we're not psychologists so we're not trying to solve anyone's problems we're just trying to offer supportive stories and supportive information and our own personal experiences that can help you get through your process of grieving or how you can get help someone else get through the best help is professional help so if you definitely are like extremely depressed you might want to um, and need like professional counseling or help you might want to seek a uh, psychologist counselor that are specifically trained for these specific these specific situations um, I know this is a very depressing topic <laughs> <laughs> but it's something we were, um, it's one of the questions we were asked earlier on in the uh, process of building up our company. When somebody asked us, how do you guys deal with it? How do you guys deal with the insane death amount of stress, death and dying, and all that? So we're like, why don't we just make an episode about death and dying and then segue into grieving? Um, hopefully. Well, you felt that we needed to compound a little bit more, expound a little bit more on that topic because of what we had discussed so much in the death and dying um, topic. Yes, death, death in itself is such a huge topic and we covered it in like, what, 20 to 30 minutes and I feel like it needs way more than that. 
we just wanted to just scratch the surface and then grieving even more complex um, <laughs> so we wanted to scratch the surface on that as well just to give you guys an idea of what we go through and what nurses go through with these specific um, situations later on what we'll do is we'll really touch on certain um, topics like death and dying we'll go into the nitty-gritty maybe the not so clean things about death that we've seen it or experienced <laughs> but that we'll save that for another um another episode so um in my situation I had, my grandfather died a couple of months ago he died in miami florida and i'm over here in uh, the tampa area and i was working he was sick for a long time several years uh, had cancer at one point he was able to um they were able to slow the cancer was able to slow down to a point where he... Did he get chemo already? Maybe. He didn't even get that. They did surgery and then... Yeah, so there was like a mass that he had in his prostate, I believe, or somewhere in that area. They ended up doing surgery and they offered him chemo or radiation, which he did not want to. And God bless him because I know a lot of people that go through chemo and radiation and they are just suffering throughout the whole process. And I respect my grandfather for knowing what he wanted throughout this whole thing. So what ended up happening was that he did not want the chemo or radiation. And he was doing pretty well. And then he just ended up going to the hospital. He, was, he turned really yellow. And so they admitted him to the hospital. Um, they scanned his, pretty much his body. He was having abdominal pain. And they found that he had um, basically masses everywhere. The, the cancer spread. He was doing really, really bad in, in the hospital. I think he spent about one or two, uh, about two weeks. And I was working. He was having a really, really rough night to the point where my family thought he was going to die. So I decided that I needed to call off of work and head down to go see him. And in my mind, I was like, you know, maybe I'll just get some rest and in the morning I'll drive over there. Um, I'm so stupid because I shouldn't have done that. Knowing what I know in the healthcare field, if somebody tells you that they're not doing well, you should probably head on as soon as possible. But I'm like, man, I'm tired. Let me get some rest. If not, I won't make it there in time. Well, he's been there two weeks already. He's been there two weeks already. I'm like, okay, so he'll be fine. And I thought maybe I would make it there in time. I think if I would have uh, left that night, I would have probably gotten there in time, which kills me. And I'm not the type of person who likes to regret a lot. But honestly, I wish I would have made it to my grandfather's bedside before he passed away because there was a couple of, there was, I just wanted it. Uh, in my mind, the entire time, I was just thinking of something to tell him. Um, if it wasn't for him, you know, we wouldn't have come to the, he, he wouldn't have had my mother. My mother wouldn't have had me. So there's this huge butterfly effect and process that happens because, you know, you're so grateful for all the stuff they did. They raised the good a good child who was my mother and my mother raised me and I am the fruits of their labor and I'm fruits of everything they've they've done and the only thing I wanted to tell my grandfather if it was anything was that his life all this suffering was was not for nothing all his suffering was not not for nothing that every that everything he did mattered and because of him I am someone who's touched numerous people hundreds if not thousands of lives i've helped heal 
I've, more, I've mourned with families. I've helped them in their hardest of times. And I just wanted to tell him that his life did mean something. And everything he did ended up producing me. And I am a testament to his life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's really important when you have a loss and you recognize the, the uh, regret and the guilt and know that that's normal and we all have it. My situation was very similar in the sense that there were things that I wish I had said and did that I didn't get to do when I found out my brother died. My brother was uh, in Afghanistan and he was killed in action as a Marine. And so I had the guilt of feeling like I didn't talk to him enough. I had the guilt, I felt that he was alone when he died. I had the guilt of knowing that I wasn't going to have closure with him. And that lingered for a really long time. We process things so differently depending on our personalities and nothing is wrong and nothing is uh, taboo or out of bounds unless it's personal personal injury or lashing out in an angry way um, but if you experience these guilts it's okay and um, grief like I said it's just it's very it's very um, personal the week after my grandfather died we had a trip to go to New York and we were like should we go and we're probably and then we were we ended up saying yeah we need to go because we need to get our minds off of all these things and would it have been bad enough it would have been so bad that we wouldn't have had a good time I don't think so I think it was something we've been wanting to do for a while but what really sucked but not. But then again, it didn't. It didn't really suck. But I say it sucks because it, it. I'm very unemotional in certain situations, and I don't cry a lot. Um, I don't think I cry a lot. You can ask my wife what she thinks. But <laughs> <laughs> but when uh, we, so we went to Broadway and we we saw like four or five plays. It was a Broadway week, and oh my god, there were topics there on death and dying, and I was crying basically every single play we saw i and we, we want to see hamilton and in one of the you know I'm, and i'm listening to it i've watched hamilton before and listened to the album and there was a you know i'm just enjoying it and then there's this line where washington talks to alexander hamilton and he tells him he goes living is um he dying is easy young man living is harder and then that killed me i was like oh i started crying like such a baby um because it's true you know suffering in life is just a part of life when you die that's it that's the end i'm grateful that my grandfather won't be suffering anymore he's passed away and depending on what you believe believe in, if you're believe in God, if you're a Christian, whatever the case may be, in this podcast we're gonna here to um, to promote a specific religion, no matter what we believe. Um, but in his situation, my grandfather was a Catholic, and according to his belief system, he definitely is not suffering anymore. And 
through what he, he believed and my and his, my grandmother believed, um, he's probably somewhere up in heaven right now, pain free, um, happy, mm-hmm. being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Another play, oh, there was another play called Hades Town that was just about somebody, a loved one who had to go find his his wife that died and went to went to hell. And it's basically the story of Orpheus and Persephone. Ah, oh, and then Lion King, the grand, the 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 dad died. That's the third play. And then what other what other plays did we watch? It was Wicked. Um, that was about loss of a friendship. Okay. And and then the Phantom of the Opera, which is you know, it, it, it didn't have anything to do with death and dying, but <laughs> I cried a lot that week. It, with anything, I mean, it, it, we went to uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, and that just brought a whole bunch of memories of me growing up in Catholic church with my grandfather and my grandmother. And I just was a wreck for a month. It was tough. I still think about them nowadays, but it's not as it was before. Um, but it was really hard in the beginning. It's, really hard. It's hard in the beginning. Um, I think that the way we grieve shows a lot of our own personalities. And um, I'm a caretaker, and so I felt a lot of guilt. And I had a pretty beautiful day and thought, oh, my brother's never going to experience this beautiful day again. These really irrational thoughts would come in my head because I was so worried about my brother and his well-being and things like that. So grieving, the only, the only point I can say is talk about it too. It helps to talk about it, um, find support systems. You typically will have a family member or somebody close because they're going to be experiencing the same loss and you really huddle together and you you really feel united in your in your um, grief and your celebration of that person's life and the, your the celebration of their uh, being part of it your life yeah death has a way of uniting families or breaking them apart it's really it really depends some families get really closer my family was always close and we got even closer and some families get really devastated and destroyed you know they hold on to these things they can't hold on to and they don't tell people that what they need to tell them before they die and they hold all this aggression um after their death it's really insane how what happens you know you see it in the hospital um families that don't like each other but they're there and they wish the the patient was still alive or able to comprehend because there were so many things that they haven't told them whether it's uh, hatred towards them or something that they've bottled up and it goes to show you shouldn't bottle things up because eventually it'll come out or it'll never come out and that'll be devastating to 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 you or and your and your life um what was i going with this i was gonna say we were just talking about how we grieve how I grieve. Yeah, oh, that's, that's right. And so afterwards, I decided, you know what? Let me uh, express my grieving through what I know best. And I do some art on the side. So what I ended up doing was I created this huge art piece and dedicated it to my grandfather as an expression of love, as an expression of my grief towards him and my memory towards him. And now for, um, every time I walk into my house, I can see this painting and it'll remind me of him. So... It's a way that I dealt with it, and now I can um, immortalize him in a sense with this uh, art piece. 
and being in healthcare now, my 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 care has changed a bit since his death, and um, I try very hard to be conscious of families grieving and and loss, and just try to be there as much as I can um, for them. So we wanted to just finish off the podcast with some tips on self care. Um, let's finish up this last segment of death and dying and grieving with self-care. We promise you we will talk about good stuff <laughs> the next episode or two. We're always talking about good stuff, just more positive yes. stuff. Yes, go ahead, Finn. Um, So self-care ideas. For my own personal experience, I well, I took my brother's death pretty hard. And this is why I refer to this as my biggest grief because... You expect your grandparents to die. My grandparents have died. They were older than me. And that's kind of like how the life cycle goes. But my brother dying, he was my younger brother. Um, he was a hero in our eyes. And he was just starting out his life with a new family. And it was devastating to me. So for me, I refer to a lot of my grief experiences because of that. I really, really, really felt sorrow true sorrow and when you feel that way you feel like there's no way out and I know that I had my family there's eight of us kids my mom we all got together we all were local um, well not all of us many of us were local we stuck together I took off work we had each other to hold but it was Still, the nights at night, when I'm the, the lone time at night, when my mind wouldn't stop, and you tend to feel pulled into this negative zone, and because your sorrow is so profound, and I would have to, I would have to caution anyone who goes th- through that to seek help by a professional, because. That can help you sort out your feelings, can give you ways of coping with your alone and downtime. I ended up uh, drinking a little too much, so that made me more emotional. And it just took me longer to get through this uh, sorrow period. But when I stopped doing that, when I started focusing on the positive aspects, when I started focusing on that time will heal, I started, I started, um, going to meetings about with the Marines and they had support groups for loss of um, military families and we started to be together as a family in that sense. We had a remembrance ceremony for his birthday and we had a remembrance ceremony for when he was in boot camp and we looked at pictures and we started to celebrate his life and that that helped a lot. Um, you might find yourself obsessed with life after death, I did. And you think that, you know, is there a way that you can find out what happened? If there's a way you can find out if something's changed or, you know, is he is he near me? Is he around? Did he go to heaven? Did he go to hell? All these things circle through your mind. And I'm here to tell you that it's okay to think that way. I talked with the counselor. I talked with my mother. I talked with my uh, sisters and we listened to other people's stories and it helped a lot. I learned to exercise 
um, I was already a pretty big exerciser, but I learned that exercise definitely helped me. It helped get the emotion out, running, and just kind of made me tired, and getting back to a normal routine of life. I mean, I took time off of work, but when you get back into a routine, life goes on, and part of it, you're angry because you're like, why is the sun rising? Don't they know? Doesn't the world know that I'm grieving and I want you to stop and ex- acknowledge it? But it doesn't. Life doesn't stop for anyone. Time doesn't stop for anyone. So getting back to that routine, going to work, going into the sporting events, doing the things that you love to do, gardening, running, reading a book, going to the beach, going on vacation, all those things help you get through it. And the grief becomes less and less like that poem we started in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's exactly how it is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so some self-care tips. Um, well, let's talk about prior to death. If you have a loved one or somebody who's close to you that's about to die or in the hospital or is very sick, maybe pre-hospital, spend some time with them because you never know when they're going to go. And then once they're in the hospital and you know they don't have much time left, you know, I say I say this because of my experience. If you need to call off work because of that, whether it's a mom or a loved or a, or a, a child, you do what you got to do because that might be the last day, hour, minute that you might see that person. Um, you know, a job you can find any time of your life. You have so many years left to live. But that person, there's only one of them. So make sure you prioritize your life when it comes to that. Afterwards, um, after the death and you're grieving, um, it's hard. I think you should sulk for a while. I, th- I, I think you should definitely be sad and let it all sink in. Uh, it, it might not even hit you. It might be surreal. But I, I think you definitely, need, you definitely need to accept these emotions and let it just live inside you for a while. What you don't want to do is spend too much time depressed when to the point where you're not taking care of yourself. If you're not eating, that's very dangerous. Um, if you're, you know, if you're thinking about hurting yourself and things like that, that's a little extreme, and and that's a that's should be a flag that something's wrong and something's off, and you need to find some help. I do jujitsu. And one of the things that's helped me when I'm depressed or just really sad is I, I engage in, in martial arts and you know, you're put in a, in a position where you have to uh, kind of fight for your life. And so that completely blanks me out. And it really helps me. It keeps me, it, it helps me with endorphins, my exercise, helps me forget about things. And it's just a good outlet for me in general. I also do um, art. Um, basically coping skills that are going to benefit you and help you. Uh, drinking might not be the best thing, especially if you abuse it. Um, I know a lot of people who we've taken care of who are alcoholics who just are, cannot cope with life too well, and so they take to alcohol, and that can be very devastating and very damaging. Well, you think it's going to help you sleep, but it doesn't. No, it really doesn't. Your mind's just... No, it really... What... what the best thing to help you is just to kind of ease your mind and maybe find some comfort. And if you're religious, you know, get back into your religion. You know, read your Bible, go to church, you know, go to synagogue, fellowship temple, fellowship with people. Mm-hmm. Express 
your sadness and your despair to a close friend, a mentor. You know, we talk so much about mentoring. Those are the best people to help you with this. It doesn't have to be a nurse mentor. It could be a life mentor, somebody that has your best interest. It could be somebody, you know, an elder at church, somebody who's been through these um, situations so they, they can give you the knowledge and wisdom. And the support. Yeah. And I know that you will get tired of talking about it. You'll get tired of talking about how sad you are. You'll get tired of feeling sad. You'll get tired of feeling that there's nothing you can do about it. And that helped you really recover quickly after that. But just know that the sun rises every day. And if we apply that to our life, basically there's dark times and then there's light times. So losses, death, it's a part of life. It's a part of life and it, you know, life tests you and, tell, and this is, how do you react to it? That's, that's gonna be your test in life. And just know that here at um, Becoming a Better Nurse and Nurse Care on the Air, we are here to help you along the way. If you need, if you need somebody to talk to, you can email us, you can contact us. We'll get you in touch with a good counselor somebody who's going to support you all the way if you even just want to express if this if if this episode touched you in any way just please let us know but we have lots of resources we can help find to help you um we're here for you man we're we're here every step of the way yeah 100 percent. we are appreciative of your time and your interest in our podcast and this topic and we're hoping that we helped even one person because it's important to us to be real uh, with ourselves and with you guys. Our goal is to help at least one person. If we can just touch one person, that to us means the world. Anything else you want to say? No. No. So let's finish up. And I just want to let you guys know that you can find Rebecca online at uh, BR Roberts, right? That's Twitter. You can find her there. She's always posting cool stuff about nursing and just very positive stuff. You can find me on Twitter, Aaron, V-R-N. That's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, A-A-R-O-N, uh, Valentine, uh, R as in Romeo, N as in Nancy. So Aaron, V-R-N. And I'm posting stuff about nursing, but I'm also uh, highly debating people. I'm, <laughs> I'm always getting caught up You're in these... You're trying to get controversial. Yeah, I'm always getting caught up in these random debates, and it's just like, oh, Twitter's... It can be very childish at times, but it's also very fun, and you can learn a lot on there as well. Um, it's a great medium. It's a yeah, definitely great uh, medium for like any anything like social. You can talk to somebody. In, you know, I work night shift, so I, I can talk to somebody in England who's awake while I'm actually working. It's it's really fun. <laughs> any anything else you have in social media besides? Well, I'm becoming a better nurse Facebook page, and you can see some of my posts on Facebook, and I post a lot on Twitter. Subscribe, follow us to stay in touch with us with all topics, um, nursing and just leader leaderships um, um, leadership uh, subjects. Also, you can find me on TikTok, my email, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. So basically, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram all have the same name, Aaron De Trinidad. So it's A A R O N De Trinidad is D E, and then Trinidad like the island, T R I N I D A D. Um, my email is Aaron at hotmail.com at hotmail.com and that's pretty much it. That's enough of giving you my information. 
So please contact us for anything. If you hate our show, please tell us. If you like our show, please tell us. But if you do hate our show, just let us know what you hate about it and how we can fix it. Um, and then if you love it, just let us know as well that you are rooting for us and wanting the best for us as well. And if you guys have any questions, concerns, please let us know. Um, we get a comment, several comments on the daily. Um, I had we're a, excited. Yeah, so we're excited. I had a young kid tell me the other day how, especially on the death and dying, which is like the most depressing episode, uh, this kid is in high school. He's, what, 17? I forget how old he was. But he was telling me that he's been going through a hard time and the episode helped him out a lot. So that's a testament to... Um, that's our one person. Our one person. So that's good <laughs> enough for me. Yay. And it, it's a young kid, but I know at that age, I was going through a lot. I was trying to make sense of the world. And maybe you're not that young. Maybe you're still old trying to make sense of the world. But please just reach out to us and we're here. We're going to try our very best to, to help you as much as we can. Thank you, Aaron. All right. Thank you, Rebecca. Bye, guys. Bye. See you next time. This is